Welcome to the Winter Palace. I'm your host, Mark Cole, editor and publisher of Odessa Steps Magazine. Today on the show, we welcome back my old friend Ashraf Khalil to talk about the upcoming WWE pay-per-view being held in Saudi Arabia amongst the controversy surrounding Saudi Arabia in everything that's going on in the news. We talk about a wide variety of subjects, including the history of xenophobia in wrestling, especially amongst Arabs the famous WWF Sergeant Slaughter Iraqi video, and then a whole bunch of weirdly other tangential things, including the history of Samoans in wrestling, 1980s AWA, and then, of course, actually stuff related to the WWF show next week, including the history, the controversy, people pulling out, uh, how they are going to book the show, what kind of involvement will the Saudis have, and more. You may have noticed that we used the Tiger Mask intro for the show today, and that is because we wanted to honor Kichiro Kimura, who passed away recently at the age of 80. He is a longtime Japanese animator who worked on such things as Cyborg 009 and Speed Racer and Lupin III, but he was best known for being the animation director and character designer for the original Tiger Mask cartoon. And longtime wrestling fans know how cool that old-time 60s and 70s cartoon was, especially during the period when there was not a lot of wrestling in the media, especially stuff over here. Um, it was cool because they used a lot of analogs for famous wrestlers at the time, including Anoki and Baba and Stan Hansen and people like that. Um, you can find clips of the Tiger Mask cartoon online on YouTube and Dailymotion and places like that. You can also get all of the seasons of the original cartoon on DVD if you want to go through Amazon Japan. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Winter Palace. Uh, the WWE slash Saudi Arabia relationship has been controversial uh, ever since it started earlier this year. We had planned to discuss the first show that took place a few months ago on the pod, but we didn't actually get around to it. And now with the second one fast approaching next week, and given all of the controversy in the news, we are finally going to actually talk about it. So we welcome back to the pod a uh, friend of the show and longtime friend, Ashraf Khalil. What is your, what is your current title so that I don't so I don't get it wrong? I am a reporter with the Washington Bureau of the Associated Press. There you go. Yeah. But 
for people. I am that... not speaking in that capacity, however. No, no, no. Yeah, I was just saying the usual. Just... Uh, no, I was. I did not. I was not sure if you what uh, what your title was. But for people who uh, did not listen to the pod the last time you were on a couple of years ago, um, how long were you actually living in the Middle East so people know your your bona fides? Oh God, I mean, most of the time since 1997. Like basically between 97 and last year, I was yeah, I was in America for two years of that. So two of the last 20 years, basically. I've been in the Middle East in some form. Uh, Cairo, Baghdad, Jerusalem, a lot of wandering, but mostly Cairo. So, yeah. So you and and your... When did your book come out about the uprising? It was a couple years ago, right? The one-year anniversary of the road. So, like, January 2012. Book okay. about the Egyptian Revolution. Yeah. Okay. So, um, as we said, the WWE... Uh, the WWE had a pay-per-view slash network show uh, earlier in the year that was uh, held in Saudi Arabia because they now have a long-term giant big money deal uh, with the government and their their general sports authority to have uh, events a couple times a year. And uh, that one garnered a little controversy, mainly because they weren't allowed to use the women talent on the show. Um, and then a couple other things, there was an angle on the show that was vague, that uh, stirred up a little interest because it was, they had some of their Middle Eastern talent um, come out and basically do uh, generic foreign heel stereotypes. Which the was, poor Davari brothers deserve better. Uh, yeah, yeah. This, that one just makes me sad. Yeah, it's 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 always funny when you have uh, intra-regional foreign heels as opposed to sort of your generic foreign xenophobic heels from you know. Uh, I was gonna say the uh, wrestling has a long and storied history of of xenophobia, which I actually oh, wrote a conf- which. I don't know if you remember, but I actually wrote a paper about that way back. Uh, for again, for pe- for people that did not listen to the first show, Ash and I both went to Indiana at the same time, so that's where we met. We've but been yeah, I wrote since freshman year. You're basically yeah. my first wrestling buddy. You're, you're the first person I could ever like, the first human I talked to about my my love of professional wrestling. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Yeah, so I wrote a paper at the time that was basically the history of the foreign menace in, in American wrestling from, well, it probably predates the television era, but certainly in the television era, you got uh, Germans and Japanese bad guys, which then turned into Russian bad guys, which uh, then up until that point, you had the uh, the Arab bad guys, which is... I believe what is what was going on when I wrote that paper back in the early nineties. Do, do you remember Corporal Kirshner back in the AWA? What the hell was he supposed to be? I believe he was. Well, he was. He was a white guy, but he was some sort of like militaristic foreigner, right? No, no, no. He was. No, he was. Uh, when he went to the WWF, he was their 
replacement for Sergeant Slaughter. When Sergeant Slaughter left to go to the AWA in the mid-80s, Corporal Kirshner became the the substitute the the replacement for 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 good old good old Di Bob in right. in, the, in the WWF. Yeah, because I think he was. I think at the time, I think he was. I think he feuded with Volkov. If I remember, I just remember I had some random exposure to the AWA. I mean, I grew up north of Chicago, so maybe, but I don't know how. But there was a period of time, a very specific stretch of AWA that I was exposed to it. I feel like there was a heel Corporal Kirshner or something. I don't know. The AWA was bad. I don't Although remember because Stan, Stan was Stan Hansen was was was, was well, when he was I mean, but he was everywhere. They didn't really was objectively bad. That well certainly by the time you would have been watching because they had lost a lot of their talent to Vince in the you know Oh, I guess Hogan comes out of that, right? Well, I mean the first the first place that Vince really raided was Ganya because he took Hogan and um, Ventura and probably, uh, I guess, Adonis. But he also took like Mean Gene and a bunch of other people. So basically, that was the first place he really raided, more or less. So, so. By the time you probably started watching the AWA, it was in its decline, even though there were the occasional bright spots. I mean, yeah, you obviously you have, like, Hanson's brief tenure as AWA champion. You know, then you have, like, Bockwinkle's babyface turn. And then, you know, his matches with Kurt Hennig. And then you had... Hennig. You know, no, you, you, know what, you know what I remember? What This tells you exactly the point in time I remember. I remember Pat Tanaka... And Paul Diamond having a a tag team that that I really kind of liked, and they came to the um, they came to WWF, and I think they put uh, Diamond under a mask or something. But I remember them having a tag team that I kind of liked. That was that was Bad Company. Thank you. Managed managed by relatively new to the business Diamond Dallas Page. Okay, when it, this is when which, I was watching the AWA. I don't know how I got exposed to it, but it was, and I, you know, that and a which, bunch of ESPN Sportatorium stuff. Well, I mean, obviously, is what pro- I, I mean, was my exposure. I would say you probably got started because that's when they were on ESPN. Even though it's funny, yeah, it was like their dying days, but they, you know, they ended up with AWA was know, on ESPN. See, I thought yes. it was all Texas. Okay, so that's how no. I thought. Okay, yeah, it was. It was. It was AWA first. Because I saw years and years of, of Von Eric stuff. Good Lord, yeah. I guess we all did. But, the, no, the, of course, the funny thing about Bad Company is they were managed by Dallas Page, who was noticeably bigger than Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond. <laughs> so it's, it's always weird when you have, like, a giant manager with, like, a little tinier tag team. Was Babyface Scott Hall around in these days, or is he somewhere else? He was he was in the AWA, but before the time period that we're now talking about. Okay. Because basically, Scott Hall ended up in the AWA in like '86, because that's when he was, because he came in and then he became part. He was tag team partners with Kurt Hennig when they had the tag belts, and then they lost the belts to Buddy Rose and Doug Summers, and then Buddy Rose <coughs> and Doug, Doug Summers feuded with the Midnight Rockers. 
who then United rockers this is this was them right this was this was them as coming up like little baby Shawn michaels yeah this is yes yeah, so this is that's like 86 87 88 ish were they feuding with bad company is this the period that i watched I believe the Rockers feuded with Bad Company at some point. I think the Rock... Well, I mean, the 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 big feud that the Rockers had that people will remember was with Buddy Rose and Doug Summers because they had, like, a couple, like, absolute bloodbaths, especially on, you know, airing a, on, you know, weekday afternoon ESPN television. Okay. And then... But, yeah, that's sort of... One of the last good things that was in the AWA, more or less. But yeah, that's when... But Slaughter ended up in the AWA after he left the WBF. And that's when you also have, if you've seen the... They tried sort of pushing Greg Gagne as a sort of... They tried to toughen him up. And they put him with Slaughter. And they have these wacky videos where, like, Slaughter's putting Greg Gagne through boot camp. And they're wearing camo and... It's one of those things that looks very, very dated and cheesy now. Sort of like how weird the the Fabulous Ones videos are now. <laughs> oh, good lord. But anyway, so we have a, a the great divergence. So, you know, like I said, we have a long history of heels. And of course, mentioning Sergeant Slaughter and the post that goes along with the picture that will go with this post is one of my favorite offensive things of all time, which is Sergeant Slaughter's heel Iraqi sympathizer heel turn during, during the first Gulf war where um, he was going after the WF title and he came out, he did an interview with him and General Adnan, who really, really was Iraqi, even though for a time in his wrestling career, he was also an American Indian. Um, yeah, he's actually Iraqi, right? Yes. Okay, okay, because I thought he was Iranian, and then I listened to his Arabic, and I was like, wait, he's actually saying, like, the, the Arabic he said was exactly what Slaughter said. He's like, that's what he said. Like, like, Slaughter was, you know, it was accurate. It didn't even need to be accurate, but it was accurate. But he, uh, they did an interview where he came out, and I believe this was the technically the this the low point of this angle because he came out and said he was friends with Saddam Hussein, and that Saddam Hussein sent him a present which he unwrapped on live TV, which yes. was a pair, of, which was a pair of camouflage what what I always called genie boots. Yes, the, the iron, the iron sheet, curly toe boots that were camouflaged with sergeant stripes on them, which I believe, which he then used to win the WWF title when he beat the ultimate. I believe at some point he loaded the giant, the uh, the genie boots, as as uh, Arab villains were wont to do in wrestling. Now, was but, this preceded by anything? Was he seduced by the dark side? What I, I don't remember what came before this declaration. Well, like, it was just out of the blue? Well, it's funny because, once again, this is weird how when you use contemporary politics and how politics are so fluid that it's weird now to sort of go back. But what had happened, the way he, he came back and... If you remember, Nikolai Volkov, 
had turned babyface. Okay. Because instead of being an evil Russian, and you got to remember, this is like 1989. Oh, he was like Lithuanian or something. Yes, he suddenly became Lithuanian. So he became a good Russian, quote unquote. Was that accurate? I, I don't remember where Nikolai was actually from. What what kind of Russian was he? No, he's Is actually... He's alive, I guess. No, no. Well, no, no. He passed away a few Recently. months... Recently. Recently. That's why he was on my mind. Yeah, that's why I yeah. was seeing all these biographies of him. Yeah. No, he was actually... He's actually Slavic. He's either... I have to look it up, but... He's like a Serb or a Croat or something oh, really? like that. Oh, Okay. Well, well, I mean, he's a he's again, he's a guy who has been various kinds of. I mean, he at one point was a Mongol when he was in the early seventies. He was a WWF. Oh come on, tag, tag team champion as a Mongol. What? Yeah. There's like video proof of this. Yes, I will. I will. I will show it to you later. Yeah. Uh, maybe we will post it. Um, Please post no, it. No, because I amazing. remember. It's funny because. Uh, I went looking for footage of the Mongols to post when he when he passed away because everybody's posting, everybody's showing Nikolai singing the Russian national anthem, which you know I didn't need. I mean, because everybody knew that, so I was looking for the weird stuff. That's so, so great. I was, so I was looking for him as a Mongol. Well, here's the funny part: is he was in a tag team with I don't I. I don't remember who the other guy was. I should know, but I don't remember off the top of my head right now. But anyway, eventually there was a third Mongol who actually was Bill Eady, who would eventually become... Demolition. The Mass, yes, who was, who was the mass superstar and then eventually would become Demolition Act. What a but, strange career that man had. Yeah, but... Uh, and then, which is funny, because then he would later team with Barry Darsaw, who... Was also was a fake Russian, but was a legitimate fake Russian in that he wasn't pretending to be Russian. He was he was a Russian sympathizer. That's what was his name? Crusher Khrushchev. Crusher Khrushchev. It's funny because this is from like one of my favorite periods of time when he was in mid south as Crusher Darsaw, who was basically sort of in in a Minnesota farm boy who got seduced. By the evil Russian, and then they became, a, and that's when he he went from being Barry Darsaw to Crusher Darsaw to Crusher Khrushchev. As, as and you can just imagine how hated he was by Bill Watts by not only being an evil Russian, but but by being an evil Russian sympathizer. A turncoat, much worse, including to the point when because when I was when I was briefly doing my Mid South blog, you know, there's a great footage, of course, of them. Carrying the little Russian shovel, which is one of my favorite all-time xenophobic, you know, because they carried the little red shovel to to bury to bury the Americans. Oh, for like, God's sakes! You know, and of course, Crusher Khrushchev was part of you know one of my all-time favorite angles when the Russians buried Bill Watts under the Russian flag, which you know used to be the name of my blog. Mm. So, anyway. Now that we've really digressed, <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, Saudi paper. Yeah, yeah, what yes. The hell? Vince, yes. Vince has a long history of xenophobia, especially regarding the Middle East. So they had the first show, 
And people sort of groused about it, especially, you know, like like we said, because uh, they they weren't allowed to use the women, even though they had, in the past, promoted shows in the Middle East where the women wrestled. They just had to basically, I think they wrestled in Abu Dhabi. Yes, right around the same time. I don't know if it was before or after the Saudi it was, show. It was before, but I think... I want to say it was Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss wrestled basically in full body suits. And essentially like leotard or like full body. Yeah, yeah. Not leotard, Which yeah. is funny because there are some women on the roster who dress like that anyway. Mm-hmm. It's just normally, you know. Yeah, even... they, all, they all look like Nia Jax, essentially. Like little tiny Nia Jaxes. Yeah. I mean, even in sort of, you know, this enlightened empowerment, blah, 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 you know, women are, are still dressed fairly scantily i you know i guess men are scantily clad too but women women are certainly dressed to accentuate their sexuality i guess we should say yeah and i, anyway. I thought the abu dhabi thing was interesting like when i saw that i was like okay this is cool like it's, I, I didn't mind that like okay and the saudi thing yeah i mean god they definitely got there was eye rolling about it in saudi but they but it wasn't like any kind of storm they couldn't weather this right. is very interesting what's happening now. Yeah. So we I mean, yeah, so we come to the present and of course as we know the you know the I I you can correct me on how much of this is what is official and not official. But basically there was a a Saudi journalist who lived in America and wrote for the Washington Post who went to the Saudi embassy in Istanbul for some kind of meeting. And he was getting at, some, some paperwork going so he could basically like finalize his divorce and marry a Turkish woman. Okay. That's what and, he was going to the consulate for. And from, from what everything points to at this point, when he got to the embassy, uh, he was basically tortured, killed, chopped up very all sorts of horrible horrible things which led to you know lots of international hand wringing and condemnation of the soviets because the saudis yeah be, yeah um well the official saudi line after i mean what they finally settled on is that this was all a mistake uh you know there was sort of a confrontation of sort of undefined nature uh, at the consulate, tempers rose, and somehow, like he had a, he he died in the course of that like unintended fist fight. Basically, you know that's that and that's their like the position they settled on after first saying no, we don't know anything about it, and and he left. Of course, we don't know where he went. Like this was this was like story number three, and the Turks are basically saying without providing a whole lot of proof, but basically saying no we know exactly how this happened here's the kill team that arrived in advance of him like knowing he was going to be at the consulate and here's when they left and here's all these details and like yeah it's a mess and it's actually become the biggest crisis that this the the young sort of crown prince who was really running saudi arabia has ever faced like he's been on a charm offensive you know he's mbs Mohammed bin Salman, you know, he's been branded. He's, there's, there's pictures of him with half the celebrities and tech people in America. 
you know, and now he's on the hot seat for this, and he's like tossing senior underlings overboard as, as you know, and, and we'll see if the buck stops, you know, where the buck stops. But it's definitely the timing is bad, and yeah, this 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 put the WWF WWE in a in a weird position. But I mean, what's your take on it? Did you, well, were you surprised? Did you ever really think that they would pull out? No, no, but. But just to just to clarify, he is the one. He is like in charge again. Like he said, he's the guy that's been trying to do all the PR to sort of make the Saudi government more sort of Western friendly. You know, with all the yeah, you, know, you know, stars and sports and all this kind of stuff. So he is actually the one that's in charge of this general sports authority. Sure. That signed the deal so and you know he's the one that you know we just had you know brazil and argentina just played a friendly in saudi arabia last week and it sounds like there wasn't a whole lot of hand-wringing about them playing there that i know of because if you listen to tim vickery for example on like the BBC World Football phone in, he's basically saying, I mean, Brazil is in such a mess right now on its own that, you know, them playing an exhibition match in Saudi Arabia is like not really like on the top 10 list of things we're worried about given the crisis the country's in and, you know, they have an election coming up and yada, yada, yada and all this kind of stuff. Right. But... Um, yeah, so, no, I never, I never thought they'd pull out unless they were absolutely forced to. I mean, if, if basically they had always said what was being said is, you know, if the government tells us not to go, we're not going to go. And they were apparently doing due diligence for backup plans. Supposedly, the the Manchester Arena had open dates, and they had looked into maybe still running the show. Because I guess they're going to be in Europe anyway. You know, they're going to be taping like Raw and SmackDown in Europe while they're on this tour. So it basically probably would have involved them going to England like a day or two early and just having the show in the same time slot, just, you know, coming from Manchester or someplace like that, you know, I thought about... What's the value in that? Just in just just, just not canceling, essentially? Yeah, I mean, because there was already so many things put in motion. It's, you know, certainly, I mean, they had booked a couple really interesting things for this Saudi Arabia show. I mean, basically what happened in the first show, you had a bunch of like older high profile matches. Basically the Prince or whoever was running the show told them they wanted certain guys on the card and they just basically said, how much is it going to take? You know, that's why like, you know, Hunter wrestled again, you know, for the first time in however long and, you know, on the, on this show coming up, you're getting 
Shawn Michaels, who has been retired for 10 years or whatever. And who always seemed to take it very seriously, his had, retirement. Had repeatedly said he was not coming out of retirement, he was done. Including things that would have presumably made sense, including, you know, possibly having matches with Brian Danielson, you know, who was once one of his students. And, but, you know, I guess even Sean, when I'd love to know the number, I'd love to know what it took to to, to get Sean, because I'm sure he regarded it as a promise, you know, to break that promise. Like, I believe the number. I believe the number. I believe the number is eight figures. So, so I've heard. Yeah. Like it was. It I was mean, like. It, would, I like, it was like I ten hope, million. Yeah. I hope it's like that. I hope that because I mean I get the feeling that I mean like he took this as a serious thing and you know and, and you know that, that a matter of honor like to to break that yeah. And, you know, and the funny thing about that match is, too, you know, that it's Hunter and Sean versus Undertaker and Kane. Kane, who is now, you know, the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, and apparently, I I don't have the details in front of me, but I believe sort of to smooth the waters over him appearing on this, either the WWF or somehow... You know, KSA made like this humongous donation to like Knox County. Oh my God! Like the Knox County, like the the the, 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 the like is is gonna have like the greatest library in the state. I well, love it. It's, I love well, it. No, everybody, 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 line up for that golf money, man. Go for it. Well, it's funny because I mean to sort of engage in stereotyping. It's like, would your stereotypical resident of Knox County, Tennessee, having elected Kane, it's like, where do they, you know, it's like, are they in the, this is blood money from these dirty Arabs, we don't want it, or, eh. you know, it's, it's, again, it's, it's, it's sort of like the political landscape has changed so much in the last few years, it's like, you know, the people you would, I mean, you sort of see this with sort of like old school hardline Republicans in Congress who are like, like, I can't, you know, like they can't believe that they've seen the day where our relationship as Russia is whatever it is now. You know what I mean? Having fought the Cold War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's the Republicans who are now sort of kind of in bed with Russians. and And then you've got like. The Democrats who are more suspicious and distrustful. And the the Republicans who are most suspicious of the Russians are kind of the ones that are being sort of like shuffled off. Like, yeah, yeah, the the party is kind of remaking itself around this very strange stance. Yes, but yeah, with Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia has always been, and John Oliver was very good about that. Saudi Arabia is not the Republicans' dirty secret. It's America's dirty secret. Doesn't matter who's in the White House. Like, you know, going back to FDR. You know, there are pictures of Roosevelt with uh, with Saud, yani the guy that, you know, the Saud in Saudi Arabia, Big Daddy. You know, so it, it, it go, it's, it's baked into the relationship. 
but yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing where, and again, you know, Vince McMahon is married to, you know, of course, a a, a member of the of the cabinet. I think a member of the cabinet. You know, he's sort of a small business associate or small business authority. Okay, sure, not not you know, transportation or anything, but a member of the cabinet. Yes. So obviously, this decision was made in conjunction. With the Trump administration, like if, if 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 the Trumps did not want them to go, they wouldn't have gone, and and the Trumps would have provided whatever cover they needed for that. And if they and if the Trumps had no problem, you know, I I seriously, you know, this is obviously that's one of the strange things is that you know that this is done in coordination with the White House because of the very interesting nature of this administration. And again, who uh, you know. Lest we forget the long-standing relationship between this company and the administration, going back to two WrestleManias being held in Trump Plaza, oh, you know, yeah. the him helping shave Vince's head at WrestleMania, you know, it's that was not that long ago, right? Well, I mean, it was ten, like ten years ago ish. Okay, yeah. I mean, because I want to say it was like. 2004, 2005, something. I like guess it that. involved a young Bobby Lashley, so that'll like Lashley probably in his first two years. I think that'll uh, you know that, that's all I remember. It was Lashley and what? Who was the other guy? Umaga. Yeah, I mean that should. I mean, you think about how long. Yeah. Um, that dates it right there. Yeah. Well, you think about how like how long he's how long since he passed away. Yeah. WrestleMania 23 to whatever year that was. Remind me, Umaga is what to Roman Reigns? I can never tell. I know that, like... <sighs> I... Either, I think, I want to say either cousin or uncle. It's... Okay. Again, it's sort of... It's so hard to keep all of that straight. I know. It's like I, I can't help but for, fall down the rabbit hole with this stuff. I always have to ask. It's like, wait, and Umaga, wait, is Umaga's brother Rosie? Like who? Like somebody's brother is Rosie. I was like, I can never remember. But yeah. Yeah, Rosie, Rosie was Roman Reigns' brother. Really? Rosie is Roman Reigns' brother. Rosie was... Do, 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 do. Is Rosie... Matthew... Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Matthew Anoy, or, you know, however you pronounce yeah. N-O-I. Yeah. So, he died... Oh, oh last year. Oh. I, was, I thought it was longer than that. But yeah, it's, well, it's funny, too, because it's like some of them have been around for so long, and then you're like, oh, well, they must be, like, just cousins. And then you're like, no, it's, like, uncle and nephew. And you're like, or 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 you think there's more, or you think there will be more generations in between people. Right. I mean, because, like, like the Usos are Rikishi's sons. Yeah, which means they're like Afa and Sika's grandson. You know, like 
you know, second generation where it doesn't seem, you know what I mean? It doesn't, the ages don't seem that different. Right. That you would, that you, that you would have the number of generations that you've had already. Yeah. Cause, cause, cause I don't think this, cause I mean, I think I want to say like the Samoans started in like the late sixties in San Francisco. I mean, cause them and Peter Maivia were like sort of the start of that whole tree. And you're like, you know, they weren't, you know, they're not that old. They were only in generation three, right? It feels like we're in like generation seven of Samoans, but it's really, yeah, we are dealing with the grandchildren of Afa and Sika, right? Or is it more right. than that? I don't think it's any farther than grandchildren of Afa and Sika. Okay. Off, off the top of my head. And, and of course, do you know the great story of how they got into wrestling? Do you know? You, uh, no. Okay. So they were fans that went to the shows at the Cow Palace. And they were like notoriously sort of like I don't want to say violent fans, but I either they had attacked wrestlers or they had threatened to attack wrestlers or something to that effect. And so basically said we need to just get these guys in the business on a certain level to protect ourselves. <laughs> it's sort of like we'd rather have We'd rather have them in the business than sort of freelance. But these are not like average size people. Like, I mean, I, they, they look like they're both like 6'3", you know, 280. These are the fans of the stands? Well, yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, you know, I, it's the kind of thing where it's like, I guess, I mean, sort of for the average person, most of the Samoans people generally see on a regular basis are probably all wrestlers or, or football players. So it's like, is everybody from Samoa like 6'4 and 300 pounds? They are huge. They are huge people. I used to run into them a lot in because I played rugby when I was in Cairo. And the, the, there'd be Samoans and Tongans from the, from the, the, the UN uh forces in the Sinai. Like, there's still a bunch of UN people keeping Egypt and Israel sort of away from each other in the Sinai. And, and, and they would come up, like, twice a year. And they're just the biggest people you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. But, I mean, if you think about, like, all those guys that were related, all, the, all you know, all of that family, and then you throw in, like, Haku, and you throw in the Barbarian, and... Yeah, where are they in that? That's right. See, this is one of those weird things where it's like, I think on a certain level, they sort of consider like most of the South Pacific guys just sort of like blood brothers, quote unquote. So like, I don't believe like Haku is technically related to that family. Or right. like, and, and weren't Haku's kids in like NXT or something? They were doing like a Cholo gimmick almost, right? Well, well wasn't Haku's... That one, wasn't one of them Haku's kid? Well, Haku's kids wrestle for New Japan. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I don't know if any of his relatives off the top of my head have been in NXT. But, like, if you've ever heard of, like, Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa. Yeah, from the Bullet Club. Yeah, those are Haku's sons. Those are Haku's sons. Okay, I was, I was wondering where Haku's bloodline would go. 
You know, I know you stopped listening to the Levitard show, but like last week, Levitard became obsessed with interviewing Haku. Like it became like this show obsession. And they finally like tracked him down at whatever car dealership he works at. Well, it's funny. I mean, because, well, Levitard has like always sprinkled, like loved, used to love sprinkling like old school. He loves the wrestler stories. But I mean, you know, like, because I'm guessing he probably went to shows like in the, like, probably like in the dying era of Florida when they ran Miami because, you know, Levitard's like always loved Dusty. Good. And, you know, like, well, when Fake Howard, when Fake Howard was still around, you know, like he used to, I think Fake Howard's the one that did the Dusty impression. All right. You know, because they always used to play this clip of, like, a fake Dusty, you know, talking about wrestling in the Omni in Atlanta. And <laughs> I don't know if it was. Oh, and I don't know, and, what, I don't know if Levitard, like, if he's revealed himself to be a fan. Uh, what's his name? Mike Ryan is absolutely. But I don't, because I want to, I'm trying to think if I ever actually talked to him about it. Because I interviewed Levitar just wants to talk about like the, the locker room stuff, like who got in a fight and who beat up who and uh, the drinking stories. He doesn't really follow the stories. I do, because I'm trying to remember, because I interviewed Dan once years ago for an issue of the magazine. But I don't remember. I don't remember if we talked about wrestling or not. I'd have to. Yeah. I'd actually have to go back and read it. Yeah. But yeah, there used to be all kinds of like old school references. You know, like stuff about Dusty or stuff about Andre or. Because you got to figure, there's probably like so many wrestlers that probably now live in South Florida. This is what I'm saying. It's just like just living in Florida, you have more exposure to wrestlers than like any other state in the country. Yeah. I mean, they're just there at the grocery store. Well, I mean, you've got so many of them now that live like in Tampa. Over? Are they all in Tampa? Are they just clustered? Like, do these people all live within five minutes of each other in Tampa? I would imagine most of them probably live in Tampa or Orlando now. Like, either because they, especially the younger people, like all the people that are in NXT, you know, are living in Orlando. Sure. Or that lived in Tampa because, like, when developmental was in Tampa before it was in Orlando. Plus, generally, you've got, I mean, you're going to have people that just want to live in Florida because it's a, it's a tax-free state, and you got to figure the weather's better. And yeah, good, yeah, good weather, lots of airports, no taxes. But it's funny, apparently, there's more and more people living other places like plentiful plentiful illicit uh you know substances and well yeah enhancers and recreational and you know you know pretty pretty must be fairly easy to acquire things or find people who know things in florida but it seems like a lot of a lot of people now i think are like moving to austin okay which oh. is well again it's well also tax-free I was to say there you have tax free plus you have Austin which is sort of you know like a hop a hot hip especially sort of more liberal place you know it's funny that you know when you look at like how many like big universities that are like sort of pockets of liberalism that exist in like relatively conservative places like Bloomington Indiana like Bloomington, well, I mean, like Austin or like Madison, you know, where it's like, 
it's like these weird pockets in in a it's like basically like a little island. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, Bloomington was certainly like that. It's like yeah, whenever you would meet, whenever you would like go out and meet townies, you're like oh. It's like no wonder there's such resentment between them and students. It's like they're so drastically different. Pretty much. So wait, let's talk Saudi. What are we gonna be? What are you looking for? Like, like, what do you think will be different this time around? Given the fact that the, the WWE's relationship with Saudi Arabia is now like this potential object of. Bad PR, like they they they've decided to follow the money as as well they should as a you know publicly held enterprise. But what are you looking for? Like less propaganda, no Iran baiting, no mentions of MBS because I'm sure MBS got mentioned like at least seven or eight times last. Uh, you know, are they going to play it slow or do you think the Saudis are like, no, we paid good money. You're doing all of the propaganda. I would think. Well, there's, they've certainly done a lot less promoting of it leading up to it this time. Because apparently... Oh, yeah, the promotion from WWE's end, they're totally confused. They don't know what to do. But apparently, even when they did SmackDown last week or the week before, it's like any time there was a reference to Saudi Arabia, the fans booed. Huh. Including, booing, apparently, even booing The Undertaker. That's but uh, I would weirdly that's not sort of the political direction I feel like okay interesting for them to feel that strongly about uh, okay cool well cause it well it's funny because you wonder what their actual demographics are especially going to like Raw and SmackDown it's like certainly the, on the ratings wise the shows skew very old. You know what I mean? It's like, like they're, like their biggest demographic are like people, men our age and older. I mean, those are the people that are like still watching wrestling. There's, well, there's always a bunch of kids though. But you've got, you know, it's, it seems like historically, the business skews conservative. Except, yes, yes, I would always have assumed that, that the, the, the general wrestling audience skews politically conservative and a little xenophobic. Yes, I think that's a safe, I think we can safely state that without controversy. But then you also have the fact that it's also been, it's always been demographically popular among minorities. I mean, certainly in the in the 2000s, when SmackDown was on UPN, it was the highest-rated television show in Hispanic households. Really? And part of that, I'm sure part of that was because that's when Eddie and Ray were there. Sure. But it also makes sense if, I mean, again, you know, these are all generalities when we're talking, but it's like, you know, Mexican culture is much more... You know, if we're talking about Mexican culture as part of Hispanic culture, you know, much more accepting of lucha as part of the culture. You know, it's not 
nearly as stigmatized as wrestling sort of used to... As popular as wrestling used to be, it was always stigmatized. Yeah. But, you know, but, I mean, anecdotally... Whereas you know, it's a more mainstream and respectable thing in Mexican society. I mean, yeah, yeah, wrestlers... Yeah. Yeah. Sure, sure. But, yeah, I mean, but, like, wrestling's always been popular, you know, in Hispanic markets, and, you know, there's always been, like, a sizable black audience... You know, especially in the South or, you know, like in certain urban centers, you know, and of course the WWF was, you know, built on ethnic baby faces, whether it was Bruno Bruno or Pedro or, you know, they've always had ethnic stars. I mean, to the point where they were, I mean, you know. Pedro never lost in the garden because they were afraid that the fans would riot. <laughs> so it's weird, but as for what the show is, I would think that the Saudis would, for this instance, they would probably understand if Vince felt the need to not have as much propaganda as they did last time. Only because of what's going on right now. Like, yeah, I don't know. You would think so. Having spent many, many years in the Middle East, I wouldn't be surprised if the Saudi reaction is, hell no, this is what we paid for. Read the script, monkey. Trust me, there is a, there is a, 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 a let's call it about a 20% chance that that's the, what the Saudis are thinking. I'm just, I'm not trying to speak for anybody, but just, yeah, they don't do subtle. But I don't know. It's like I would think the, the logic in me just says, <coughs> not, you know, like you know, don't show too many shots of like, like don't show too many crowd shots, especially like if the royal family's like actually there. I mean, like, I don't remember if they were actually at the, show, the first show or, or not. I mean, it would make sense if they were. But certainly there was... I don't remember was... if MBS was in attendance himself. I wouldn't be surprised if he was. I didn't, like, I didn't really watch it, but... Uh, well, they certainly... It was they a certainly... big deal for him. It was, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was there. They certainly put out enough photos of, like, the big giant dinner that they had before the show where everybody was... I don't know if it was him specifically, but certainly, you know, they had like this giant banquet where like, you know, sure, Hunter and Hunter and Brock and Kurt and people like that were all there. But yeah, I don't know how much of that they'll do this time. Is it is it or is it true that this is going to be like Hogan's comeback? Hogan said he looked forward. I. I don't know if he's... That makes sense in so many ways. Like, the Saudis would eat it up. It's overseas. He eases him sort of back into the fold, like, not domestically. It almost makes too much sense. Let's see. Here we go. Here's what Terry had to say. Let's see. I'm looking forward to going to Saudi Arabia with the WWE... Looking forward to WrestleMania. Yeah, we're moving forward at a rapid pace. All right. But again, this is more of the 
I'm paying you fifty million dollars. These are the guys I want on the show. Yeah. And it's certainly, you know, and given that, like, he's skewing towards all these, like, 80s and 90s legends. Now, do we have a number on the size and nature of this contract? I don't understand why, like, I, I read about this, and it sounds like everybody's kind of guessing. Is it this a publicly held and traded company? Like. I. I don't, I don't understand know. why there's any vagueness about exactly what the Saudis are paying for and how much they paid. Let's see. Let's. Admittedly, I've done no research on this, but that is just my, you know, half-assed opinion. My problem is I had done some research, but it was in preparation for when I thought we were going to record the other day. Ah. And I've now. Uh... Uh, unfortunately, instead of doing pre- instead of doing more prep for for this podcast, I was playing Red Dead Redemption. So fair enough. I, Wise I, choice. I, I apologize to people listening, but people should know that Red Dead is one of my favorite games of all time. So I've been waiting for years for this. So and today was like the first day I really had any time to actually. Uh, Sink down. <laughs> well, I guess what makes the whole Saudi thing interesting is that it, it can't even necessarily be a glorified house show because now there's going to be a new champion crown at this, you know, global embarrassment of a show. Which unfortunately just means probably putting the title back on Brock. Oh, God. Give it to Broad, for God's sakes. Although heel Broad never worked. but Just give it to Broad. So apparently Dave said the other day that they're getting $45 million a year for 10 years as part of this deal. Okay. All right. I actually thought it was annual shows. I was surprised when it was like, wait, what? this is another Saudi thing? Well, now, here's an interesting question that people brought up on one of the one of the boards I'm on. What would have... Now, of course, you also, again, when we're talking about Vince having ties to the administration, this ties in, but Vince now has a giant TV deal with Fox. Right. Now... now For SmackDown. Right. And other stuff, maybe. I think that's still to be determined. Like, will, like, there's been talk of, will NXT end up on FS1? Will another right. hour of NXT end up on FS1 or something like that? I hope they don't ruin NXT in the course of whatever these adaptations are. I like NXT. I like the show. I like the product. But so now here's the question. How, you're getting... A billion dollars or whatever you're getting from Fox. Now, if Fox would have said to Vince, Vince, we don't like this deal. We don't want you to go. We don't want you to have this pay-per-view next week. Then it's like you have one group of people giving you a lot of money and one group of people giving you a lot of money. Which one's more important? 
Yeah, but not plausible. Why would Fox do that? Like they they understand money. Well, see, well, see, see again. It's what if it wasn't Fox? Because again, you got to figure. You know, we know where Fox is. You know, what yeah. bed Fox sleeps in. But you know, like if they had a deal, if it was NBC, if it was and NBC, NBC bought. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Good question. Because it's like. Is getting, you know, is getting four hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year or whatever per show worth possibly alienating your TV partner who you haven't actually started with yet? Right. So that's that's another interesting sort of part of the deal. It must be fascinating for them to sort of plan out this pay per view. Knowing for absolute certain that John Oliver is going to be watching to pull, like just, just you know, whatever they're doing is going to end up in some form on John Oliver. There is nothing they can do to change that. Well, and 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 again, it's like every it seems like for a while, every day there was something weird about the show. It's like, you know, John Cena. John Cena said he's not going to go. Brian Danielson's like. I think we all are not surprised that Brian Danielson would have said, I'm not going, given how... Is that public? Because he doesn't seem the type to speak about that, though. I could see him behind the scenes saying it's what, his agent is talking? Like, how did this... The the, the leaks in wrestling world always... uh, I guess he doesn't have an agent. It's not like basketball. Well, no, I mean... I, I mean... Given, I mean... Danielson's a weird case... But certainly, you know, Brock had, you know, Brock's got an agent. I mean, other other than Paul. But it's like, you know, a lot of these guys are now, especially the ones that work in Hollywood, you know, have have agents. Yeah, no, no. Cena's got, yeah, of course. Brian Danielson, I mean, all that we know about him is that he's fairly liberal politics, certainly, as wrestlers go. You have to remember, Brian Danielson was going to give up wrestling to join the Peace Corps. (laughs) If you want to know where... Okay, this... The internet says, according to a report from Newsweek, John Cena and Danielson are refusing to be on the show. (laughs) Alright. But I don't know Yeah, I mean it's not like Danielson has called up Melter and said, Dave, I'm not going. You know right. or, or giving Dave an interview and said, Dave, I'm not going on this show. <coughs> yeah, that doesn't seem like his style. Anyway, look, they're gonna be able to pull it off. You know, the Saudis will get away with it one way or another. They've already sort of like you know, tossed a high-ranking official on, you know, they've established plausible deniability. There will be, not to sound like a cynical journalist or anything, but I mean, there will be an inquiry conducted by the Saudis, and, and, you know, you've got a plausible deniability, and the machine will roll on, and, yeah, it's Saudi. Well, it's also funny this week that you, you had, I mean, supposedly Saudi money is also behind this new 
this new FIFA thing that they want to introduce where basically, you know, making this giant big money World Club Cup thing that will bring in billions of dollars in years, you know, when they don't have a World Cup. But, you know, supposedly, you know, like the Saudis and I think some American venture capitalists through some sort of Japanese company or like all. It's funny. They wanted to have a vote. And the FIFA president will not tell people where this all this money is officially coming from. So they, so they didn't actually... It's like, you remember when FIFA was going to have new transparency and all this kind of stuff? And it's like, yeah, now the new president wants to introduce this new tournament, but he won't tell people where the money's coming from. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is bad. Look, the, the, like in the larger geopolitical uh, scheme of things, you know, this is the end of the honeymoon for MBS, who was this, like, young, bright reformer. And, you know, the West loves this narrative. They always eat it up. I was there when Gamal Mubarak was the young, up-and-coming reformer. You know, and, 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 like, and this is, this is, there's a reason it keeps happening again and again, because the appetite for it is, is seemingly endless. And so this is the end of that, but he'll, you know, he's not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere, you know. The, 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 the machine rolls on. But it is funny in sort of a general sense of like how all of these countries in the Middle East now are trying to basically use sports for PR purposes. It's like, you know, you've got this. Like I said, you know, they were... I'm pretty sure Dubai has like an F1 uh, uh, you know, like uh, Formula One thing yeah because yeah, no. they're yeah because they're getting ready to have i think it's i think that's like the season ending of it because when i was listening to the radio because uh because hamilton like clinched the f1 title today in mexico and i think they were saying that you know he would have the Vettel would have had to like win today and next week and then i think they said like the season ending races in abu dhabi there we go but, you know, I mean, you look at, you know, you've got, you know, one company, petrol dollars, buying PSG and Neymar. You've got one company's petrol dollars owning Manchester City and all the other affiliate teams around the world. Yeah, yeah. This started a while ago. But it's just funny how sort of omnipresent it is now. Well, like, I don't it know if it, a while ago, but the Saudis haven't been players on this scale until recently. That's what's come in with this new guy. Like before, it was Qatar and Dubai, you know, sort of outbidding each other, you know, either, you know, governments or individuals. But yeah, this is Saudi coming in in a major way. And Saudi's the big brother of all these guys. But yeah. I don't, yeah. So I guess, I mean, the uh, the makeup women's pay per view is is going on as we record. See, so, you know, so this show will be next week. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of thing they do. I, I think it'll also be interesting to see if we have more guys who don't go. Ooh, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, there won't be that many. I mean, how many can afford to do it and know that their career <laughs> will not be crippled by it? You're talking well, see, about like six guys that well, can that, do that. I mean, that's the thing. If you look at, I mean, Cena is bulletproof. And again, right. you know, it's he's not just that Cena and, and, and Danielson are the only ones with a conscience or the only ones that are thinking about damage control. They're two of the six guys that could get away with it. But yeah, you would, yeah. I mean, I think you could sort of, you could logically speculate on people you would guess probably are not happy to go, but are going anyway because, you know. Do you really, really want to get on Vince's bad side? I can I mean, see Kane. I can, I, I can actually see Kane getting away with it and saying, look, man, I've got a political career that started last month. Like, I can't be doing this. And Vince would understand that, and they would write around. Like, I could see that based on seniority and based on, okay, that's a really good reason. But like I said, if they – somebody wrote a check to pay off Knox County to basically – Say it's okay for Glenn to go. Plus, again, I love it. I love it. The Mohammed bin Salman Memorial Knox County Swimming Pool or something. I, that's fantastic. Because you got to figure if Sean's getting ten, and you got to <laughs> figure you got to figure Undertaker's probably getting close to that. So Kane's probably getting like half. Oh yeah. Yeah. Again, it's like yeah. What do what do this? I mean. I don't think the Saudis care how big a check they need to write. They'll be like, oh, you know, Rusev wants $2 million? Sure, why not? You know, you know. But I thought I read somewhere that, like, the tickets weren't even, like, selling. Like, they moved to a smaller venue. I'm surprised at that. Like, not not that it's meant to be a profit-making thing, but, like, that crowd was large and hot for the first one. Are they already jaded? Have you you seen that, like, they're not, they're, they're at a smaller venue than last year? Yeah, they... Which which is funny because it's an it's a wonderful parallel to going back to what we were talking about before when, you know, Vince was going to book Hogan versus heel Iraqi Sergeant Slaughter in the memorial in the L.A. Coliseum, only to end up in the sports arena because there's no way that was going to sell a hundred thousand tickets. Good. And then they claimed it was for security reasons that. You know, it went from the 100,000-seat stadium to the 19,000-seat arena. Funny. But, yeah, it's like, it's almost, it's funny. It's like, wouldn't you think they would just order people to go? Yeah, they could. They'd rather not. Because if you remember, uh... You do you do you know off the top of your head what the largest uh, recorded gates are in the history of like modern wrestling? Oh, hit me! What? Do you remember the shows in North Korea? No, I don't. Where they had the WCW shows? Well, well, this was of course the this is of course the brainchild of of Antonio Inoki. <laughs> okay. Where New Japan and WCW ran two shows in North Korea, where they filled Pyongyang, not Pyongyang, um, what's it? It's called like Mayday Stadium or something like that, where they basically had like over 100,000 people um, at those shows. And like 
One show Flair wrestled Inoki and But yeah, it's funny if you ever listen to like Flair and Bischoff and those guys on podcasts tell stories about like the couple of days they were in there, like they were constantly surrounded by security and Bischoff apparently once got so tired of being flanked by security he just went out for a jog and they basically brought him back and said don't do that again because they apparently kept it because you know they kept their passports so it was all kinds of like huh I don't really remember this this is the Bishop here so it's not like super old like interesting a reported 190,000 people crammed into Mayday Stadium in Pyongyang in 1995 for collision in Korea. Fascinating. And would you would it be surprised? This apparently is one of the very few WCW pay-per-views that you can not find on the network. Sure. Which is funny because I joked that this is what they should be showing leading up to the to the Saudi show. <laughs> it's like that's what this is. This is all one big exercise in propaganda. Oh man! Well, it'll 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 be weird and distasteful and noisy and uh, God, yeah. And they're gonna do it like twice a year. Fair enough. Follow the money. Well, when you're a billion dollar publicly traded company, I guess you go where the money goes. I think, did you see, I only read this, I mean, I get half my information from Deadspin, but they had a sort of uh, a breakdown of this, and there was like some sort of investor call where somebody kept asking about this, and they were just like, no. Yeah. Like, they got to the point of like, basically, like, not even pretending to not be shutting this down. Like, they were just like, no, we have said what we're going to say. No, it was funny, because it was actually the same day as... as their statement. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, sure. that's right. Which I never got around. We read this before we went on air, but I don't think I actually read it on the show. But yeah, they're. Uh, WWE has operated in the Middle East for nearly 20 years and has developed a sizable and dedicated fan base. Considering the heinous crime committed at the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, the company faced a difficult decision as it relates to its event scheduled for November 2nd. Similar to other U.S.-based companies who plan to continue operations in Saudi Arabia, the company has decided to uphold its contractual obligations to the General Sports Authority and stage the event. Yeah, and then apparently, later in the day, during the investor call, people kept asking, and Vince just said, we're not going to talk about it, and called it a sensitive subject, and said, we released our statement already. Yeah, yeah, they still will. I mean, they released the statement because of the call, like so they could just have something to refer to, yeah. Makes sense. But yes, you know, just like, you know, like any other American company doing business and, uh, you know, just because Exxon's not going to cripple the global economy by pulling out in protest, we are also not going to stop. Fair enough. (laughs) Well, again, we have a billion dollar arms deal. It's like, you know, does, does, does wrestling having a pay-per-view really, uh, really stack up to our, our billion dollar arms deal? Exactly. But yeah, let's see. We'll see if the Saudis go low profile. Like, the, I, I'm not feeling it from them, but we'll see. 
it will certainly be it will certainly be interesting that's sure well my man i want to thank you for for doing the show like we finally got around to doing it this time yeah always a pleasure bro so i guess what i was going to ask if you had anything to plug i'm going to guess like people can if people people who still read newspapers yeah, I wrote a fun article last week about the effort to bring more movie and film productions to the District of Columbia, where I got to interview George Pelicanos. You know, those of you who are impressed by the fact that I interviewed George Pelicanos, go read my article. You know what's funny is a lot of things that are like supposedly set in DC are actually like starting to be filmed like up up here my way in the country that's that's what i was writing about was like basically like veep and house of cards and all these dc stores they come to they come to dc for two days film the monuments and then fuck off to maryland or wherever and uh and that and that's been happening forever so yeah that's 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 the whole article is like they're trying to turn that around and they're offering tax incentives and wonder woman filmed here for like extensively in virginia and inside the district so so yeah that's all i got to plug Google Ashraf Khalil and read my stories. Thanks. uh, Everybody for listening, and we will talk to everybody next time. Na 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 na